Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Sexology Podcast. This is Dr. Nazanin Moali, and I'm recording this episode in my brand new office suite. So as some of you guys might know, I was practicing at this other location for years, and it was a beautiful building, and I was sharing the suite with a very seasoned psychoanalyst and his wife, lovely people. They were at that location for 45 years and my practice expanded and that's why I decided to take a bigger place and I love it. I've been, I decorated it to my own taste and I think it turned out great. So I want to invite you all, those of you who live in LA, please come visit me for the open house I'm hosting. We're going to serve wine and hors d'oeuvres and beer. So if you're around, please stop by and say hi. It's going to be on July 27th from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And my office is in Torrance. You can shoot me an email and let me know you're coming. My email is drmoali at sexologypodcast.com. So today we're going to talk about sex tech and how uh, sex tech impacting our sexuality and forming our relationships. I, As I shared with you guys during previous episode, I just returned from a sex therapy conference, ASAC conference. And during the conference, there was a number of sponsors and different tables. And I got to know some of the founders of the sex tech companies. And interestingly, few of them were female. So it was interesting to see all the wonderful things that these uh, women were doing. And the field is certainly broader than 
uh, what I thought. So I invited Dr. Ari Talkman to come on the show. He's a psychologist and certified sex therapist based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. He writes a Sex Matters blog on psychologytoday.com. He has given more than 350 presentations across America and in nine other countries. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Dr. Ari Tuckman in our show today. Dr. Ari, welcome to our show. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this. I am so excited we connected. I know before we started recording, I was sharing with you about my experience of your session at ASAC conference. So for our listeners, like, so we connected before the conference and I marked his uh, sessions. He was presenting at a sex therapy, sex educator conference, ASAC. And uh, what happened is like during the day was like a mid afternoon all day I was going to different sessions and I, I felt like I was the first person. So I, I felt kind of a little bit embarrassed and I felt, oh my God, I'm, what, what's wrong with me? Let's go on time to the session. So I went in right around one o'clock when the session was starting and the room was completely full. <laughs> there were no, no, any single seats. And I was even like people were standing in the back and they were saying, oh, we don't know if we can let you in. I said, I'll stand. And I was standing in this co- small corner and whenever I was like even leaning like one one centimeter <laughs> to the left, someone said, can you not move? <laughs> so <laughs> it was that popular. So I, uh, it's a part of it. I bet because it's because you're a wonderful speaker. But also I think the topic was fantastic. Yeah. You know, honestly, nobody at ASEC really knew me before this. So I I get none of the credit. I think it's it's all about the topic that people were really interested in it as a topic. And, you know, I think that, I don't know, it's always, it's easier to be a great presenter when you have a great audience. So, so the audience was fantastic. They're interested, they're engaged. And my hope is that we can bring some of that energy into this conversation, because I think that, you know, the sex tech stuff, it's so interesting, not just from a, like, that's amazing that 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 the technology works like that kind of a way, but really also from a, you know, what does this tell us about how we think about sex, how we think about relationships as a clinician? How do I approach clients as a person? You know, how do we approach our partners? I think it just, it brings up as technology does all sorts of questions that we didn't have to think about before these new advances. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to the conversation that we have about this. Yeah, and, and the other thing we were talking about is as a sex therapist, as a psychologist, I kind of like, I had this impression that I know a lot. And then when I came to your presentation, I noticed that there's just so many things I don't know. So I know about obviously like vibrators, sex toys that people use for self-stimulation or with their partner. And I know about like webcam but I know in the presentation you said about the like a, this, there's this galaxy of different kind of category of technology like sex techs out there. Yeah, and you know, but the thing about it is, it's this field as in so much else in technology is evolving really quickly. And I remember, I don't know, last summer I presented at the Pennsylvania Psychological Association conference and. Literally in the like one month or so in between when I submitted my slides and when the presentation happened, there were like two new devices that came out. (laughs) So 
you know, it's almost like, you know, I practically almost have to like Google everything the morning of the presentation because you never know what just happened in the last 20 minutes. So, so I think that, you know, as much as the technology is absolutely evolving, I think that some of the fundamental questions sort of remain in terms of how do we think about this? What do we use? How do we use it? Do we, do we use it if we're using it? Why are we using it? Um, how does this fit into the rest of our life and relationship and sex life? So, you know, so the details around the edges will change, but I think the basic questions stay the same. So oftentimes I hear and I see posts about teledildonic. So let's start with that. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so there's teledildonics. There's kind of the newer term is cyber dildonics or, you know, cyber sex or like, you know, different, but they're really kind of iterations of the same. So it's basically, it's any sort of kind of sex toy that's remotely controlled. So, you know, having like a vibrator that has buttons on it that you press to make it vibrate more or less or in different patterns obviously would not qualify as teledildonics. But, you know, these days, more and more um, sex toys are becoming app controlled. So rather than kind of fiddling around with little buttons on a sex toy, it connects to your Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to your phone. And then it gives you a lot more control in terms of being able to change what it's doing in terms of being able to download additional, you know, patterns or whatever, being able to create and save your own patterns, being able to share patterns. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's pretty neat about that. And really, I think it's good to have more customizability. I think some of it's kind of, you know, messing around for the sake of messing around. Like, is it actually better? I'm not sure. But nonetheless, you know, but what's interesting about this technology is that, especially if it's Wi-Fi, you know, Wi-Fi enabled, is the sex toy and the phone do not need to be in the same room. I mean, they could be, but they could be a thousand miles apart. So you can control the action of somebody else's sex toy from halfway around the world, which is kind of a amazing and crazy thing to think about. So, so that's kind of an example of teledildonics or cyber dildonics. That is so fascinating because I think, and we're going to talk about the benefits, pros and cons of it, but I can see it definitely can change the long-term relationship, long-distance relationships. And the variety of it that you were talking about is very fantastic and interesting. So tell us like, what are some common types that you see, or at least you, in your research, you see that like people are often use? Sure. So let me actually start out by saying I have no relationship with any of these companies. I have, I don't consult with them. I don't own stock. I'm not like I have zero <laughs> financial ties. So so absolutely that you know long distance relationships is one sort of obvious market for these sorts of of toys and. You know, it could be if it's, you know, overall a long distance relationship, meaning you live in different cities or in different ends of a city and the traffic between you is a nightmare or something. But, you know, there's also the thing of, you know, a couple who is together physically, but then somebody travels sometimes for work. So it's not really a long distance, but it's sometimes it is, or even just goes away for a conference or something. So, so the positive is it adds opportunities that just didn't exist before that, you know, to be able to be together, to spend some time together, you know, to sort of meet some needs together, so to speak, that you would be harder to meet otherwise. I mean, certainly you can do phone sex, 
Certainly you can do, you know, like video chatting through Skype or FaceTime or whatever and kind of get each other off, but or really get yourselves off with the sort of, you know, talking dirty or showing each other things. But in terms of directly controlling the other person's experience or having a direct input, like you couldn't do that before. And now you can, and not in like, you know, $10,000 high-tech vibrators, but like the standard $100 vibrators now that are app controlled offer this functionality. So so the, the good news about it is that it gives people an experience that they didn't have before. And, you know, some people might, say that, you know, maybe this is going to reduce some cheating, that when you do more fun things with your partner, maybe there's perhaps less temptation to seek out fun things with somebody who isn't your partner. Obviously, there's lots of reasons why people stray, and this isn't the only one, but, you know, maybe there's some benefit in that if you're choosing to have fun together. Right. And I like that you were, and I know when you were talking about it in the conference, I was thinking you were talking about the pricing and I was so shocked about how affordable they are. So pretty much most people, I would imagine like kind of with average income in United States, if they want to, they kind of have that. And I like that you're talking about kind of incorporating it as a way to increase novelty in a relationship, even if it's not a long distance relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, hell, you can, you know, if you're at work or I don't know, at the grocery store, you know, and your partner is at home or somewhere private, you know, hopefully, um, <laughs> that, you know, you can have some fun together that way. So, so long distance in this case could mean you're 15 minutes away. It doesn't have to mean you're half a world away. And certainly, you know, like you and I as, as sex therapists both know that keeping adding some novelty, adding some excitement, some anticipation, trying some things, changing it up sexually and non-sexually is really important when it comes to keeping a relationship doing well and keeping partners connected, especially over the really long haul, you know, so like decades. So this can be just yet another way to do that. Right. And I also it was interesting that you were talking about kind of like how people in uh, like sex worker, they use that. And you were talking about how people using it during the webcam, which I thought it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this so here's a whole nother level. And of course, you know, any technology that gets developed gets applied into all sorts of different settings. Right. So so on the one hand, you know, this idea of being in a committed relationship and then you know, buying these sex toys that you can use with each other across long distances is one thing. But these sex toys also offer the ability to, so somebody at home can have a sex toy that is controlled by, you know, webcam performer. So this is a financial transaction. You pay for the experience. But also it can go back the other way where the viewer of the webcam experience is controlling the action of the webcam performer sex toy. So on the one hand, you know, like, are you having sex with this person? You're not because you're physically hundreds or thousands of miles apart. On the other hand, are you involved in this person's sexual experience? Absolutely. Is, is this okay for us? Like, let's say you and I are in a relationship. Is this okay? Is this cheating? Is it not cheating? Is it kind of like, whatever, I don't care you know, you, you know, do what you're doing, it's fine by me, or is it totally cheating? I can't believe you did this, right? So, so it offers opportunities, but with opportunities 
comes challenges and we need to sort of think about it. We need to discuss it and we need to think about like, well, how do I feel about this? And I'm not advocating one position or another, but it's for each individual and each couple, if they're in a relationship, to think about what is and is not okay in terms of how they use this technology. Right. And I and I love that that part of kind of the additional twist, which we're going to talk about in the second part, that another interview. But I think in, in this context, you're right. It's very interesting that how how like use of the webcam, it's more interactive, that use it can mm-hmm. be more interactive than it used to be. And yeah, and I think it's very interesting about all the range of like sex, sex toy, sex technology out there. And like, I know the other thing you were talking about, virtual reality. So there's the host of different things. And so we talked about a little bit about the using the benefit of using these tools for couples. So one thing we talked about how it can help with spicing up the relationship or helping people stay sexually intimate. But what are other benefits that you see? Well, I think it I think it's a good way to kind of add some novelty and interest and excitement. I think it's a chance for some people to get some experiences that they wouldn't have otherwise had. So, you know, there's potentially an educational component to it in terms of understanding what works for different people. You know, I think having more sexual experience tends to make you better, you know, a better lover for the person that you're with at this moment. So, you know, there's certainly that as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just sort of it's another way to spend some time. You know, like there's lots of ways that we entertain ourselves. Maybe this is a way that somebody wants to entertain themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but I think that, you know, it gets, it's interesting as well, because, you know, if we think about like web cameras, you know, at least in my mind, it's a different experience downloading a video or streaming a video that's pre-recorded, even if it got recorded 20 minutes before, but it's, it's this it's like a dead thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's sitting on some server and then you click on it. And whether it's a porn video, whether it's, I don't know, like, you know, World Cup game, whatever, like it does, it has a little bit of a different feel versus something about live streaming, about like this stuff that I am seeing right now is happening right now. Like that to me feels like a different experience. And, and maybe not to everybody. But, you know, I think to some people it does. And, you know, so I think that, you know, it can be a thing where it's like, you know, there may be some people or some partners who say like, well, I don't know, there's one thing about downloading a porn video, I guess, you know, like maybe whatever, like, you know, but a webcam thing, like this person is real, not that the porn actors weren't real also, but this is a real person who's out there and you can interact with them. Okay, that doesn't that closes the gap between performers and consumers mm-hmm. or, per, or producers and consumers. So how do I feel about that? Like, is that still a solo experience the way that watching a video might be? Or is this now more than a solo experience? So, you know, for the person who's interested in watching web cameras or interested in doing stuff with some of these sex toys with a web camera, Maybe that's actually a positive, like, yeah, this is a more involved and engaged experience. And that is what I'm seeking out. And I'm happy and I like that. Or does it feel like, um, yeah, I don't know about this. I feel like this crosses a line somewhere for me or, or as the partner, this crosses a line for me that you're doing this. So, 
So I think it just it creates situations where we need to kind of stop and perhaps, you know, kind of think about this. Like, do I like this? How do I feel about it? How does this fit into the bigger picture? Does this fit with the rest of my sort of values about how I feel people should be treated? And, you know, it gets a little high and mighty rather quickly, but but that's okay. I think that we can be intelligent consumers of, you know, the technology that we use and the products and services that we purchase. Right. And I like that you're talking about value part because my approach is based on mostly acceptance and commitment therapy. And it talks about the values and it's not about like a moral values that like, you know, it can be for you if that's part of it. But like if like connectivity is the value for you, then how you can incorporate it to this. So because I've, at times I realize that there's so much attraction to getting sexual pleasure and it makes it mm-hmm. harder for us to kind of pause and see if does this congruent with my values. And if if it is, then kind of like it's important to go, okay, then just kind of process if the shame is coming from, where does it coming from and process it that way. But if it doesn't, it's just something to think about as well. It is. It absolutely is. And I think that, you know, what happens is when we get finer and finer gradations, it challenges us to clarify our values more, more kind of narrowly, you know, to be more kind of specific. So like, you know, I mean, granted when, you know, Playboy magazine and kind of print, you know, I don't know, nudie magazines were out there, like there was absolutely uproar about that as well. But, you know, it's sort of like, if you think about the distance between the producers and the consumers of, you know, pictures of naked people in Playboy magazine, is pretty, pretty, you know, there's a big distance between those. And then you think about like a DVD, you know, video, and then you think about like downloading or streaming, you know, instant access porn online. And then you think about, you know, and now adding in these sex toys where the interactivity can go both directions. It's sort of like, you know, it really, it's closing that gap between producers and consumers. And it forces us to think about where exactly is the line? So like back in the days of Playboy, maybe that someone would say, well, that doesn't, you know, whatever, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. But now this thing that you can talk to and control the sex toy of a web camera or they can control yours, that's a whole different ballgame. Like, how do I feel about that? Like, does that fit in terms of how I want to be as a person, how I want to be as a a uh, sexual person, how do I want to be as a kind of sexual consumer, so to speak? So, so yeah, I think it gets, it gets more complicated if you're just talking about one person. If you're talking about as a couple, then it becomes exponentially more complicated. And I guess we'll talk about that next time. Right. And the other thing I'm thinking about the benefit of using like the sex toys and uh, sex technology is that at times I have female clients that they just for moral reason or like not even like religious reason, they because of the shame that there was kind of like ingrained in them as a child, they don't want to engage in the masturbation, but they're completely okay with a partner sex. So I guess this can be like, you know, using this technology could be a kind of a transition thing because I feel the more sexual pleasure we experience, especially from many women, the more sexual desire they will feel. So that can be a good tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. It becomes sort of like a, a socially sanctioned, so to speak, way of kind of exploring masturbation and exploring what turns them on 
And also to really kind of practice good communication with your partner. You know, do you want your partner to turn it up, to turn it down, to switch to something else, you know, too fast, too soon, or no, give me more that, you know, all of that, but, you know, good communication with another person begins with good self-knowledge because otherwise, what are you communicating? You know? So, so yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that's kind of another added bonus to these sorts of things. And, you know, even in America, but, you know, certainly more so in other cultures, there's, you know, there's this double standard about male sexuality versus female sexuality. And it's sort of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We all understand guys do it, you know, when it comes to masturbation. But like, oh, women, like, oh, I don't know. We don't, we don't really trust that. That doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, I mean, this just kind of presents sort of another opportunity for couples and individuals to explore some of these things. And, you know, I think what they decide on that they want to do or don't want to do. I think the what is less important than the why. And did they really think it through? Do they make, you know, a good decision about it that fits their values at the time? Right. And I think opposite side of that, there I can see there possibly there would be some challenges with this kind of like using this technology kind of not thoughtfully. Because I think like it's it can make your life more isolated if you're not thoughtful about that. Like, you know, it's easy. You can get pleasure at home. Why would I go out <laughs> to meet people yeah. and like dine and go out and like have this conversation? So what are some of the challenges that you see with kind of like this technology becoming more popular? And so this, you're exactly like, you're, you're hitting a good one here. So yeah, I mean, so I've sort of thought about this and the analogy that I use here is it's like the 15 year old boys I see in my office who possibly have, you know, maybe not a bunch that might be too strong, but have some online gaming friends, you know, that they see online and they play together and they talk while they're gaming and whatever. But, you know, there hasn't been a, another kid inside their house in like a year and a half. Right. So on the one hand, awesome that they can do this stuff. If you're a little bit shy or whatever, you can have this way to have social interaction. But if it takes the place of, as you're saying, going out and making a bigger and perhaps more interesting life for yourself, then maybe that's a negative. And, you know, I think for all of us, technology has made it much more interesting to be at home alone and like not to sound like I'm really old or anything, but like, <laughs> you know, cause I, I don't, hopefully I'm not that like whatever, but like, when I was a kid, we didn't have cable. So like that didn't help. But like, it was not that fun to be at home alone. You know, so like, I would jump on my bike, I'd ride to my friend's house, I'd call people up, we'd go do things, we'd get together. So like, having it boring at home makes it a lot more motivating to get out and do things. But the more entertaining it is at home in non-sexual ways, but also, as you're saying, in sexual ways, it, for some people, makes it easy for them to kind of, I think of it as kind of rounding down. So rather than pushing past their discomfort, pushing through their discomfort, taking some wise risks and growing as a result of it, they choose to kind of resign themselves or settle for something less versus kind of rounding up where, you know, so using it as a, as a bridge or as a transition of I'm going to do this stuff with a webcam or I now feel more confident and comfortable. Like if I'm the real person, I can actually do some good things. So now I'm going to go out and try to get a date with a real person. So that's like a rounding up kind of a, a use of it. So, 
you know, personally, my hope would be that people use this technology to round things up generally and not to round things down. But, you know, at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself, which is like, who am I to judge? I mean, that's not the life I would want. And that's not what would really be, you know, most enriching to me personally. But like, I don't know, who am I to say that you or anyone else should do it different? So, you know, so I think that there's both that there's kind of a double edged sword to that. And I think that as much as overall, we're all social creatures and we're genetically hardwired to seek personal, intimate connection with other people, there's going to be some people who, for whatever combination of reasons, just won't. And they're going to sort of round down. But I don't think the survival of the species is going to be threatened. And, you know, but I think the, you know, and kind of where I started coming back to it, kind of this idea that this is not just about sex stuff. This is also, you know, about how we use technology in general. Like this is the broader context. And these are the bigger questions, I think, for all of us to think about because, you know, whether we live today, 50 years from now, or a hundred years ago, for all of us, the, the challenge in life is the same, which is to create an interesting and meaningful life, which is a very acceptance and commitment therapy kind of thing to say. But, but I think it's true. You know, it's just a question of how you, how do you define an interesting and meaningful life into these sex toys or whatever, you know, play a part in that, or do they not? And personally, I don't care whether they do or not for you. I just hope for you or whoever that you're living a, a big and interesting life. Right. And I love that. And I think I agree with you about kind of like it's important that what you're doing, the actions you're taking are congruent with your values. So you're in touch with what is important for you, because like if if connectivity, relationships, those kind of things are not necessarily a kind of core values for you, like it might be different. But I can totally see if if connectivity is a value for me. And I keep saying that because it is one of my values. And, you know, it's just so much easier to kind of like use this high tech technology and get sexual pleasure versus kind of like, you know, going through motion when you're tired and kind of connecting with people and kind of going through the entire dance. So and I, mm -hmm. I like that, that you're saying that it's, it can be a combination of both. It doesn't need to be either or, but it's important to be kind of mindful of the kind of lives that you want to have. And the other thing is, I'm kind of curious about the future of this uh, industry, because as you're telling me, as, as we talked about, it's, it's evolving so fast. So what direction do you think this is going? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely without, you know, I mean, we don't know exactly the details, but I think a few things are, are certain. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be more accessible. It's going to be more prevalent. There's going to be more content available, more types of experiences. I think that it's going to be more interactive. It's going to be more immersive. It's going to be more realistic. And, you know, the thing of it is, you know, so like virtual reality goggles, you know, being able to watch 3D virtual reality videos, which could be porn, but it could be, you know, I don't know, walking through a jungle or something, you know, like the technology is getting better and better and they're showing up in houses for lots of non-sexual reasons, you know, so like you're, you know, the kids get it so that they can watch videos or play video games on it. Um, and then lo and behold, like, oh, wait a second, you can also watch porn on those VR goggles? Who knew? You know, it's kind of <laughs> like back when people bought a VHS player. It's like, what? In addition to Disney movies, they also have porn movies you can watch <laughs> on a VHS. 
you know, so it's going to show up in our lives more and more. And if it's in your house, however it got there, it's very easy to start using it in all sorts of other ways. And, you know, certainly when I got a cell phone for the first time, you know, it's like, of course, you're like, oh, I'm just going to use this for phone calls. Why would I do anything else? And then like a month later, you have like 400 apps, you're doing all sorts of stuff that you never thought you would, right? So, so that's just kind of human nature that we tend to be kind of expansive about this stuff that we have. So, you know, I think that the sort of, so I think that this will challenge people as every single technological advance has on how do we integrate this into our lives in a good way? How do we have this be more of a positive effect than a negative effect? And each individual and each couple is going to have to figure out where that is for them. Right. And I think it's just so important to kind of, as you said, kind of look into it for yourself and kind of when it's not something we can stop, it's going to come. And it's like, how would you feel comfortable using it? And also, how could you talk to your children about kind of like applying them, using them? So I think it's just can be the whole other conversation. But again, I can talk to you about it for hours, but I, I kind of mindful of the time. So, uh, and I know people definitely want to learn more about it again from just attending your talk. <laughs> it was so popular that I bet many of our listeners are interested to kind of have a conversation with you about this or learn about your services. So what would be the best way of getting in contact with you? So I think the best thing is to go to my website, which is Tuckman Psych. Dot com and that's psych is in psychology. And, you know, I've got some information on my website. I do some blogging for psychology today on, you know, my blog is called sex, sex Matters. But, you know, send me an email. I'm always happy to talk. And, you know, I just think this is really interesting and not just from like a whiz bang. Wow, I can't believe technology can do that. But really in terms of how it impacts how we think about sex, relationships, you know, couples, fidelity, like all of this gets all kind of brought out. I think it becomes a very interesting conversation because there's no clear, hard and fast answers. So opinions abound, but, you know, facts are a little bit harder to come by. Absolutely. And if you guys are interested to learn about technology and sex and its impact on the relationship, stay tuned to our next episode. And I leave a link to the show notes uh, when it goes live. All right. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. I found it fascinating to talk to him about various applications of sex sex in people's life and how it can be a tool to improve our sexuality and pleasure. It's interesting because growing up, there was this fear of, oh my God, robots are taking over our lives. And it's interesting to see that uh, more and more people becoming more comfortable with using sex sex and how soon enough it will be part of all of our lives. So it's important to kind of be conscious about what part of it you're okay with and what part uh, you are having some concerns about. If you enjoyed this conversation, stay tuned for episode 81, where Dr. R. Tuckman and I talk about fidelity agreement and sex sex. It's going to be a great one. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com.
Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.